You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. What an awesome Sunday. We get Ian singing and we get Thomas reading on Doubting Thomas Sunday. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Wonderful. Friends, our second reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Listen now for the word of God. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and I put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And a week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us go to God in prayer. Good and gracious God, settle our spirits in this place and in this time, that our hearts and our ears and our minds might be open to receiving your word and your truth, that we may go forth from this place transformed by our encounters with Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week before the Good Friday service, I was sitting in my office and Pastor Craig walked in and he asked me, so you're preaching the week after Easter too. You going to preach on Thomas? Because this Sunday after Easter, it's known among worship leaders and preachers, not officially, but might as well be called Doubting Thomas Sunday. Thomas is the featured scripture text It's the first post-Easter focus of the resurrection story year in and year out. 
commentators from the Working Preacher podcast that I like to listen to, uh, they, they said that after hearing the stories of the women on Easter Sunday, they, who are the first of Jesus' friends to witness the resurrected Lord, here today we observe on the second Sunday of Easter the resurrection bro scene. I was like, I like that. Finally, after Peter and John have seen the empty tomb but not seen Jesus, and they run to tell the others, finally, Jesus shows up. In his scarred and resurrected body, he shows up and he says, peace be with you. Kind of casual. The disciples fear in that moment behind locked doors, it gives way to rejoicing and to praise. They receive the peace of Christ and they receive the Holy Spirit of God. Mind you, here in the locked room, this peace, it's, it's, a, it's a peace that they believed they would get all along. They knew the teachings of the Torah and the Holy Scriptures. They believed that the Messiah would come into the world and bring about peace. And they believed that Jesus of Nazareth, the man who they watched crucified and then died, that man who now stood among them, they believed that he was the Messiah. That peace be with you, the peace that's present, it's not the unexpected part of this story, right? The unexpected is in the fact that Jesus, crucified and dead, now stands before them. Somehow circumventing and getting into this room all through the locked doors, somehow alive and yet somehow still bearing the wounds of his death. The 11 that are there in that moment are transformed in their belief of Christ, crucified and risen. But then we have Thomas, the one disciple who, wherever he was in that moment, was not there. Perhaps he had a very, very poorly timed bathroom break. Maybe he missed the memo from the other disciples that they were going to gather and hide out together. Or maybe the disciples drew straws and he got the short one and so he had to go out on an incognito food run to bring it back to this locked room. Who knows? All that's clear is that he wasn't in the room. He wasn't there. And so you can imagine where he might be coming from. You can imagine, like Jack Martin, he would say, holy macaroni, I can't believe it. His closest friends come to him and they say, Thomas, we saw Jesus. He came and he, he stood among us all, flesh and blood. We saw his scars. You should have been there, man. It was crazy. Jesus doesn't give them the promise in that first showing up in the locked room that he will come and see them again. He doesn't say, looking around the room, hey, where's Thomas? I guess I'll just circle back again next week and make, make sure he's here next time, okay? That uh, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen here. And I can't help but to think that when his friends said that to him, when the other 11 finally get with Thomas and they tell him about this experience, I can't help but think that he's looking at him. He's staring back with an inquisitive look, 
and a great deal of suspicion in his eyes. Y'all messing with me? Guys, is this because I got the wrong hummus? I told you I'm sorry. They were sold out of the one we usually get, okay? I don't know what you want me to do. And they say, no, really, we saw Jesus. We talked with him and we laughed and we rejoiced and we sang. It was so cool, man. And now hear Thomas's response. Uh -uh -uh. Unless I see the holes from the nails in his hands and I put my hands, these two hands right here, dirty as they are in his wounds, you're not going to get me to believe that Jesus came into this room to see all of you the one time that I wasn't there. Nice try. See, I don't read and interpret Thomas's, I will not believe, necessarily as an indictment on his belief in Jesus as the Messiah sent by God. I have to wonder, is this doubt? Or is this desire? Thomas isn't looking at his best friends and saying, give me proof. Give me proof that he came here and stood among you. He isn't saying, I don't want to believe. No, Thomas, like so many of us today, he's looking at his friends and he's craving that same encounter with the risen Jesus that they had. From the depths of his humanity, he's crying out, I want that same experience. I want to see Jesus. I want what you got. Those of you who missed the bear in a tree outside of our sanctuary on Monday, Thursday might have felt the same. Tough luck, should have been there. <laughs> but Alan talked about the bear in his Easter sermon, so I'm not going to overuse that image because as Ian and I talked about, we want to push some merch about Presbyterians, so we're going to hold <laughs> off on that image. <laughs> so I thought of something else. The summer going into my senior year at Florida State, my best friend, Paul, worked as a horse wrangler at Moosehead Ranch in the Grand Teton National Park right near Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And he came back the next school year and he, ooh, he just raved about his experiences. He shared at length about the breathtaking landscapes and the wonderful people that he met, although wonderful is a loose term when you're working on a ranch. He told stories about adventures into Jackson Hole and taking all sorts of guests on trail rides, including the Jenners. Now, let me be clear, I had no desire to go spend a summer as a horse wrangler out in Wyoming. But I wanted so badly to experience the glory of creation that he spent an entire summer in. I mean, Snow in May? That's wild. I couldn't believe snow is a possibility in December. Yet I wanted that. And lucky for me, Paul decided that he was going to go back for another summer. And he decided that he wanted to have his Jeep out west with him. So Paul invited me to ride out west from Tampa, Florida to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. 
We made a couple stops along the way, camped in the Badlands. We went to Atlanta, when we went to Nashville and St. Louis, went up in the arch. I don't even remember who took this picture. There are not a lot of people around. Go to the next one. We drove from Tampa to Jackson Hole in this. His 2002 two-door lifted Jeep Wrangler. And if you don't know cars, let me say from experience that this might be one of the most uncomfortable cars to take a cross-country trip in. For God's sake, we slept in it for two nights. It was awful. <laughs> and Paul doesn't let other people drive his car. So I rode passenger and that from Tampa to Jackson Hole. We trekked our way out west. Like I said, stops in Atlanta, in Nashville, St. Louis. We went to Sioux Falls, the Badlands, the Black Hills National Forest, and Mount Rushmore, Bighorn. We drove through Yellowstone, and finally the Grand Tetons. And even though this Jeep wasn't exactly a La Quinta on wheels, I wouldn't trade that time or that experience for the whole world. When Paul floated the idea of a cross-country trip, my mind was just screaming, I want that experience. I want that too. We all know the national parks. Go to the next one. We all know the national parks. You can Google a picture of it right now. That's not Google. I actually took that. And Google will prove to you that the national parks exist. But let me tell you, it doesn't pair in comparison to standing before that mountain landscape day in and day out and thinking to yourself, this looks like a Bob Ross painting right in front of me, and I can't believe God made this. Friends, we all want our own experience. We love hearing of others' encounters of national parks or nature. We love hearing of others' experiences, seeing some big-name musician live like Taylor Swift. We love hearing about their experience at a sporting event that it's saying, oh, you just had to be there. But hearing about others' experiences, it, it simply just fuels our desire to experience those moments for ourselves. Thomas doesn't doubt that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Thomas doesn't doubt whether Jesus' death, whether he understands it or not, is supposed to bring about peace. Does Thomas even doubt? Is Jesus' do not doubt but believe? Is that solely directed at Thomas? because the other disciples didn't rejoice until they also saw the wounds. Do not doubt, but believe. I think that Thomas simply just desires to share in that experience. Thomas, like all of us, just wants to see the risen Lord. Who can blame him? He's not sitting there looking at his friends, asking for some proof, saying, well, did you take a picture when he was standing there? No. 
He's asking for his own experience. He's asking for his own encounter with Jesus. He's saying, y'all got to see the wounds. I want that too. Let me touch them. And the truth of God in Thomas's story is that the resurrected Christ, that Jesus, that Jesus is going to meet you where you are whether that's a locked room, whether that's 393 East Main Street, Fogarty Chapel, sanctuary, office, classroom, whether it's sugar and spice, or at the Breeden's Farm with Confermans, or whether that's at the Grand Tetons or you name it, some other place, the resurrected Christ will come to you. Jesus will show up. And the question is, are we ready for that moment? Are we awake? Did we mean what we asked for? Thomas asked to put his fingers and his hands in the wounds of Jesus. And Jesus shows up a week later and he says, poke away. But Thomas doesn't prod away for physical proof. As much as some paintings might show him putting his finger in, the text never tells us that Thomas put his fingers on Jesus. All we know is that he answers to Christ's presence, my Lord and my God. He gets his encounter. Christ shows up bearing the scars that show the worst in humanity. And even in all of that, he spreads peace and gives the Holy Spirit to humanity. The text ends, I think, significantly by, by giving us the purpose of this book, verses 30 and 31, right? They tell us that these words or these accounts from the gospel, they aren't just for our information. And these words and these accounts, they aren't written to confirm any sort of creedal or doctrinal belief. They're not written for Presbyterians. They're not written for Catholics. They're not written for Baptists or Methodists. They are written for all of us. They are written so that like Thomas, we might cry out, I want that experience with the risen Lord. They are written that we might desire our own relationship with Jesus that we might seek out our encounter with Christ. We read these stories so that we might be nurtured and sustained in our believing, one miracle after the other. This resurrection experience of the disciples, it provides sustenance for that ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. That relationship that experience, that encounter, even the desire for it, that should transform us, providing us a changed perspective on the world and who God is within it, that we may have a living hope in light of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may have a living hope a heart of desire for Jesus to show up. I hear Jesus came to you. I want that same experience.
I want to experience the transformative love and peace of Jesus Christ who was crucified and three days later rose from the dead. I want that too. Let us pray. God, you who with all your power sent Christ to us, incarnated into this world, into a human body, one that was capable of being killed, one that died. It is you, God, who raised that Jesus from the dead, who walked among us again, who showed up into locked rooms bearing those scars and led with a heart still full of love and peace. Help us to have hearts of desire, desires towards that Jesus, the one who calls out to us and says, come and see, sit, be with me, let us eat together. Transform us with that peace, with the Holy Spirit that now rests and moves dynamically in this place and in this world today that we might go forth from this place shining your light in a way that reaches all the corners of the earth. We pray this all in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.